This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead who haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric O'Branson, and with me, as always, my friend and co-host, uh, Joe Peterson. How's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing good, I guess. It's a weird <laughs> fucking country we live in. Hours. <laughs> it's, it's hard to be, you know, bright-eyed and chipper right now, I suppose, with just the weight of everything that's going on. But I think there are goods and bads, and, and we're... It's just crazy, is mostly what it is, and it just is. Every day is a little bit stressful, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a weird time to be alive, and I know um, many other generations have lived through you know stretches of years like this in their life, but um, I think this is this is certainly ours. I know, but anyway. Well, you know, it's it, you know that uh, that little cartoon that people share around for various it's like a, a, a gif or whatever where it's like the dog sitting in the house drinking coffee and it's burning around him and he says this is fine i don't know if you've seen <laughs> yeah. that one that <laughs> yeah. just summarizes the last six months that summarizes oh, God, 2020 yeah. and we're just now getting to the halfway point yeah it just it really does seem like all of these memes online that like you know uh, what's June going to bring, you know, alien invasion, asteroid, you know, whatever. It's probably just going to be devastating hurricanes, more realistically, but... Um, Godzilla. You know, well, into the fall. Godzilla, yeah. I'd be exactly. down for that, though. <laughs> I mean, there are certain places, and, and yeah. You know, I mean... Not going to go any deeper into that, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of ways you could go with that one. Um, right. No, I, honestly, though, I'm... It, it's and I'm going to say something kind of weird about this, but I, it's an exciting time to be alive, it, to see to see people um, really getting together for something that's important and that's been important yeah. for a very, very long time. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to finally see it irritated. It took mad that it took this long, but yeah, absolutely. You know, if it works, it works. And let's just, you know, I mean, Get there has to be a line in the sand, right? And I, 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 it boggles my mind that the line in the sand, you know, was this far down the beach to make, use a terrible reference for something that's very serious. But, but yeah, I, I, I do see it as a positive. Like I, I, I agree with you. I think that it's um, people have had enough, and that's people, you know, everywhere, the black community especially. I mean, but I think they've had enough for oh, two hundred and fifty years. But it's also I think there's there's just a sense of you know everybody's had enough of it and um it's overwhelming to me like how many people are willing to come out of the woodwork and say okay enough um and that includes people in my life that i've never seen be political before which is very promising to me yeah but that it is me too um, so I'm, I'm seeing i'm seeing a lot of that as well people coming out with a statement even if it is a bit you know bandwagon effect um coming out with a, a very strong statement even people i know that have you know honestly I, i've been seeing people respond positively to this that i know used to kind of poke fun at the black lives matter which always bothered me but now it's like i don't know what the hell woke them up but now they're like yeah this is all fucked up and we need to take this seriously so i think i think initially they were just trying to be shocking which is what it is but um i'm, I'm glad they're finally coming along even if it's a little a little late you know um so but yeah well I mean, last week we participated in a podcast event it'll be last week as the you know when this airs um in a podcast event um called the podcast blackout started by a, a podcast that i listened to and course not really correspond with but follow on uh, social media called the home video hustle um and basically we just 
chose not to air an episode uh, in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and with um, the protests going on nationwide. Um, and basically just, um, this is, you know, and I've said it time and time again, and it's not going to change. This is not a political show, and I don't want it to become a political show, but I also have the distinct and steadfast belief that this is not a political issue. Um you know, people being murdered or executed right. by the police is not a one side or the other right or left, you know, red or blue issue. It's a human rights issue. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't mind using the platform to talk to our 25 regular listeners. <laughs> but either way, I if 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 us, you know, taking a moment to address, you know, the major issue of police brutality against black communities in the United States of America bugs you enough that you would want to uh, stop listening to the show, then I'm probably not going to lose a whole lot of sleep over it. I hope that doesn't happen, but um, yeah, anyway, there it is. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Like, yeah. so, you know, with anyway, all so, everything going on, um, you know, people stay safe out there. Do what you can. Don't give up. But if you find that you got to sit at home and you got nothing else to do because just for whatever reason you can't, you can't go to that rally, you can't, you can always go to Tubi and find a movie to watch. And we're going to talk about a movie tonight. We are. <laughs> believe it or not. Believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> we are watching from Tubi TV this evening is the. 1981 American made-for-television slasher film The Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Tonight on the CBS Saturday Night Movies, this gentle man saved this little girl's life, but they accused him of harming her. We'll do this ourselves. And he was tragically murdered. Now, one by one, the men of this town are dying. Who is his avenger? Is it the dead man's grief-stricken mother? They killed my mother! The little girl who loved him. I know what you did to Baba. Or could it be the Scarecrow? Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, coming up next. And this is one that, like I uh, insinuated, is originally aired on CBS television. Um, was from a script by J.D. J.D. Fiegelson and um, directed by Frank DiFaletta and uh starring larry larry drake charles during durning um yeah and a lot of a, a bunch of other people that are like what would we always call them like that guy character actors from mm-hmm. uh, yeah people that are definitely recognizable especially from the uh 80s yeah in television but is this one you had heard of before or was this a total like um kind of surprise i for you I had not heard of this one, and I know it's like it's a classic apparently. And this one slipped <laughs> under the under the radar for me. It was it came out the year I was born. I was <laughs> I was surprised watching it um, that this aired on CBS television. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's I mean, uh, I know in 1981 you could get away with a lot more than you can get away with now, but this is this is pretty intense. Um, yeah, and and what a cast of like you said of, of you know faces and and names. Larry Drake, we've uh, talked about on the show before. Uh, Larry oh, Richard yeah. Drake, of course, was in in the first two Darkman movies as Durant. He was also in L.A. Law as uh, Benny. Doctor Giggles, Dr. Charles Giggles, Durning, yeah. you might remember as Pappy O'Daniel from mm-hmm. uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. He also is the senior Mister Jeffrey Lebowski. Uh, Yes, he is. You know, That's right. Yeah, the millionaire, the yeah. as Walter Kocheck would say. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. So he's and it was also in Dick Tracy and uh, True Confessions and a number all of kinds movies. of stuff. Like, I feel like he's yeah, he's just in tons of and he is such a vile creepy character in this movie i absolutely despise him but that's to his credit i think so <laughs> and also uh lane smith who you might remember as uh coach jack riley in the mighty ducks he oh right uh, yeah. he was the uh he, he was, was jim jim trotter the district attorney and my cousin Vinny. uh perry and, white he, on and the, he was perry white Lois yeah. and clark yeah the, yep, yep. New the mayor he's the mayor and yeah, Mayor in Red Dawn. So, yeah, I mean, the guy had been in yeah. uh, a lot of different stuff. He was a face. He's another one of those people that I'm like, man, he's been in a... He was in, like, every... He was one of those guys that was just a bit part in everything right around the time when this was made. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah. A, a really a really good uh, a good full cast in this. And I don't know what did, what did you think of the the quality of of how this one was was put together? Meant for an eighty one TV movie. This for yeah for a TV movie at all, but especially. And I know TV movies were a little more commonplace back then. Um, and I'm not talking, you know, made for Netflix. We're talking, you know, network television, uh, commercial breaks and, you know, censorship and the whole nine yards. This, um, I think this was a incredibly well done for what it was. Um, it tells a, like, a very serious story. It kind of has enough of the tropes of a slasher film for it to be interesting, um, to horror fans i think at the time but also is kind of enough of a i don't know like primetime murder mystery to kind of and it does you know obviously being on network television it's not incredibly graphic but i don't think they shy away from the like the thematic darkness of it uh at all so it takes its its subject matter seriously and i feel like the acting in it is incredibly good for a a tv movie of this yeah. era and and um, for uh, of this of this type too you know a, kind of a horror film usually usually they don't have a lot of you know it, it's usually not fantastic acting like this i one, one thing that kind right. of struck me about this too is well i guess we should talk about the plot a little bit too before yeah i, go I, into what I was just gonna say, say get a, a short synopsis here um uh, strange occurrences plague a group of vigilantes who took vengeance on a wrongly accused man for of harming or on a man wrongly accused of harming a youngster so that's that's pretty vague essentially what happens is a it has kind of a um mentally challenged adult male has befriended and i guess they insinuate befriended many of the kids in the community but this especially this one um girl um Marilee Williams, played by Tanya Crow in the movie. Um, and the kind of senior members of this small town community decide that they're, they think it's inappropriate that they're close relationship and decide to, you know, lash out and basically get him before something happens. Um, and the people who are responsible for the, uh, Larry Drake plays Bubba Ritter in the movie, the, the, um, mentally challenged or as they say simple character and he um they come back and uh or each of them in, in turn is kind of hunted down by this you know ominous scarecrow um so yeah, yeah so that kind of adds to the kind of slasher vibe of it um uh, especially in kind of the marketing of of an artwork surrounding it is they definitely use the scarecrow mask the kind of bag mask um very friday the 13th so. part two <laughs> yeah, yeah um, very much you so. know the, the pitchfork thing which really it i think that the interesting thing about this is it is almost more of a of a psychological supernatural thriller yeah because surely, yep. don't if anybody who's watching it don't expect the scarecrow to be like you know stabbing everybody with machetes and stuff like that it's, it's not like that it's more weird things happen in the presence you know of of it so one th a couple of things that really impressed me with this first is it's an incredibly simple revenge story right mm -hmm. it's a very linear simple revenge story yet and, and the dialogue is is as well it's it's you know um a lot of exposition and stuff like that but it works yeah it actually is a bit slow pace but not in a way that it that bugged me really um it actually dives in and and does a lot of work at developing its characters and like i said it, it the 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 mailman um what's his name otis hazelrig who is played mm -hmm. by charles durning in the movie it's the guy who kind of rallies everybody to kind of take you know take their vengeance or whatever or you know go after Bubba in Larry Drake's character and I think the amount of time that they spend developing him is just this like kind of just this creep that makes your skin crawl honestly from from the get-go but the more you learn about him just the more and more you hate this guy <laughs> yeah and, and you know by the end of the movie you, you actually find out that a lot of his quote-unquote suspicions about Bubba are actually because he himself may be the one that's dangerous to children and um mm -hmm. is hiding kind of this secret life you know he's a closet drinker and he's a um 
he's certainly manipulative of the you know small town guys that he gets to kind of be his force of vengeance against Bubba and um, yeah he's just he's just a creep and, and Charles Durning plays it so well that it's it's believable. Well, the the scene where Bubba is killed is executed is mm-hmm. is legitimately disturbing. Yeah, um, that Fiery that was, squad essentially. Yeah, because he's and and the he the, runs and hides to anyone who hasn't seen it, but he runs and he's what happens is the the little girl, his friend, they're playing and she sneaks into somebody's yard to to get something and is attacked by a dog. Um, the mailman and uh hazel rig and his cronies get word of the fact that oh bubba was with this girl and now she's dead um and immediately take action and go chase this guy down well he knows they're coming after him and goes and hides in sight of the scarecrow in his on his you know mother's properties field and that's where he's found by these guys and he's tied essentially tied himself up to the scarecrow uh, post i guess and um yeah it plays out very much like an a execution because they're they line they're lined up with their guns and um yeah it's, it, it, it was it was an effective li- and terrible yeah, scene it was infuriating like right away like I said, it's it's a pretty simple movie. You you get the idea; it's a revenge story. And as soon as that happens, it's like, all right, I want all of these guys gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and I, a part of that too is Larry Drake. He's he's mm-hmm. very good in this. Um, for the the few scenes that you see him in it, uh, he he's very very good. Um, and I also thought it was kind of just interesting. You don't see a lot of movies that take place in really small midwestern towns like this. I don't even want to say, like, any more. There's, you know, like, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street films, you know, that was a, a medium-sized city or town, right? But, like, little tiny farming towns like this. Like, it, it, this this town and this reminded me of the one from Kingdom of the Spiders. Yep. Yeah, it's authenticity with, like, small town... I don't know about small town life, but especially the way that like there are these like cliques of people that almost are, you know, not above the law, but can kind of like take the place of the law in a small town like that. Like it's all really well done and it's all very believable. Kingdom of Spiders is a good um, comparison because it has that kind of authenticity to it. And most of that comes from the location shooting and just the, the kind of way, the ways that the characters are characterized. Um, being from a small farm-centric town ourselves, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think there, you know, I could kind of say that yes, this, these we all kind of knew these people, right? Growing up, um, you could probably go to you know the local diner to this day or whatever and kind of pick out who those people are. At least when we were growing up, there were definitely. <laughs> but but yeah, no, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. It's it's done with a an. Amount of authenticity that like really lends itself well, or that makes the film all that more effective. I think it's interesting. We we talked a little bit about how it's kind of a you know TV psychological thriller, uh, revenge story. Um, it kind of kind of has a little bit of the flavor of a slasher film, but um, you know made made appropriate for prime time. What it really reminded me of, or where I think it's a lot of its influences from, is. You know, um, Universal Monster movies, the old EC Comics, Tales from the Crypt, um, 1960s, like, TV thriller showcases, like the show Thriller or Alfred Hitchcock Presents, etc. Um, that's kind of the flavor I got out of this show, or out of this movie, and um, it reminded me of the Universal movies because of the kind of empathy that we have for the monster right the monster becomes the scarecrow is is kind of the avenging um right he's, he's the good guy really i mean we, we don't have any empathy whatsoever for these people that just like executed this innocent man um and so it kind of reminds me of some of the you know the universal monster movies like for especially universal frankenstein combined with a revenge story that was kind of pulled like right out of something out of you know ec tales from the crypt type story uh, a lot of the tales from the crypt comics and we're not talking the hbo series but although that very much as well because a lot of them are direct adaptations but were these very simple revenge plots right like somebody is wrong yeah 
and then um, usually their their morality tales somebody is wronged and um, comes back from the dead or you know some some mm-hmm. supernatural event uh, leads to the the bad guys getting their comeuppance or um, whatever. So this is very much I think in that vein. But what did you get from from I mean, like uh, did do you see that those do you see those kind of links to those things or what? what did oh, it absolutely. You of most of yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really just the imagery a lot of, you know, like I said, very very Friday the 13th Part 2. Um, <laughs> yeah. But even in Friday the 13th Part 2, there's it's still a revenge story. It may not be fair revenge, but it's still revenge. Uh, I think same with, with a lot of the, the Friday the 13th movies. Um, but yeah, it, it really kind of captured all of the, the classic slashers. And, you know, and this is coming out right when that's popular yeah um and and you know this was actually a well done way of of taking what was popular at the time and making it into a television movie that is very effective this is a creepy movie Mm -hmm. oh yeah and the way they do the scarecrow it's very different from what we keep saying slasher and -hmm. i feel like it's actually very different from that besides the whole like um you know wronged person comes back from the dead and is hunting down his his murderers but it's never done in the way like jason Voorhees has done where it's a chase scene and it's got a lot of you know jump scares and it's more you see the scarecrow he's kind of the marker like when somebody sees the scarecrow you know they're next right and Mm -hmm. um then the scarecrow kind of disappears and it, it just it really all the scenes are kind of painted with suspense and you never really get that moment where a scarecrow actually attacks and kills somebody it's you it's more like um you know a shape in the shadows some noises over there and they they, they really do a good job of making these scenes um suspenseful and creepy um and yeah i, I thought it was cool being that the, this whole thing takes place in a farm town and these are all the characters are all farmers that for the most part, they're done in by farm equipment as well. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. They're all done in by farm implement. Yeah. A... <laughs> you know, and I guess the only thing about this that I thought was somewhat silly is the fact that Charles <laughs> Durning is a mailman and he never takes his damn mail uniform off like the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just, wearing it the whole time. He's wearing it when he when he goes to the bar and he's wearing it when he's you know sitting around having having dinner at the the yeah the, you know the inn that he lives he in he is wearing his male uniform when he goes and kills bubba's mother who he's convinced is playing this is all a trick that she's playing on yeah there. she's the one that's murdering his his friends um and he accidentally kills her so you know quote unquote accidentally but um yep wearing his male uniform still so i don't think he takes it off for the whole movie no no that was the only thing i, I really thought was kind of you know really kind of kind of i don't i want to say corny but you know kind of silly about it but honestly that if that's the only major complaint that's really something i was i was overall really quite impressed with this yeah Um, i i do feel and this may be a very modern thing to say being someone that grew up in the you know era of slashers and um i do feel like it maybe could have used a little more scarecrow i love the idea that of a of it being a symbol more than anything Mm -hmm. um but you know playing even with the like still figure the standing scarecrow as like a you know the omen um of their you know impending doom i think you could have done a little bit more with it that could have i don't know lend it lend itself but again that's like it's a little gripe i think what they did with it was was still very cool um they were able to make you know a movie for primetime television that was is effectively as scary if not you know more effectively you know creepy or scary or you know um suspenseful than than many of the slasher movies especially when we got deep into sequels (laughs) of those right um so i think they probably went back to like roots of what is it that's scary about you know that idea you know a masked a masked you know killer stalking you through the shadows and um the scarecrow is just such a great i'm surprised it's not done more this is supposedly quote unquote the original killer scarecrow movie and there there are some that follow um i'm honestly surprised it didn't catch on more i'm surprised we haven't seen killer scarecrows more often 
in the genre because uh, it is it is a creepy premise so well i don't think we you know nobody thinks about scarecrows anymore well i don't know if they ever did yeah. but yeah you know when you're a kid it's it's something that you see in you know a halloween coloring book in school or something is you know here's a scarecrow or it was a character in the wizard of oz but yeah i was gonna say for me it was always wizard of oz right yeah you know but i don't think people now when you think scarecrow it's it's usually it's either a batman villain or it's wizard of oz so i i i think uh yeah i I can see how that that genre kind of subgenre petered up before it really got started this Mm -hmm. however is is really kind of i want to use the word charming but it's uh it's really quite a a surprisingly good movie you know it holds your interest the whole time it's well acted Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it's incredibly well acted for because i've seen my fair share of tv movies especially in this era when you know we were Back when we were young, there were only four channels. Actually, there were like 20, but still. Um, when we were limited to watching broadcast television with commercials and, you know, all that good stuff. I I think compared to, like, what memory tells me a TV movie was like, this is, like, heads above what, uh, quality-wise, what I remember them being like. So, um, I, frankly, a lot of them that I can think of are, are you know, soap opera-ish <laughs> production quality and um yeah yeah and writing quality as well so well we've even covered a couple of made for tv movies on the show before you know like uh mr boogity mr boogity and <laughs> monsters and mazes and both of which oh, right, had pretty yeah. equal degree of, of making yeah, co- filmmaking comparing this to those two is is exactly what i was getting at i think like that's this would that's be the quality difference like, this this would be pretty scary i think to to kids if they're really paying attention to it it's it's pretty it's not gory there's not a a drop of i don't think there's no there was a little bit when they shot him i think the bubba like his you know some squib kind of like blood gunshot wound um but yeah i think that's it well and they certainly insinuate some some graphic stuff i mean uh harless um who what's his name uh, harless hawker who's played by lane smith is thrown into a is it a wood chipper i guess it's not a wood chipper but like some kind of i don't like know a my grinder yeah here i'm not showing yeah my roots aren't strong enough i guess but I, yeah, yeah i think it's his grinder or his you know yeah it's similar to a chipper right it's something that just like yeah grinds up material and spits out ground up anyway <laughs> yeah and but, it, it, yeah he goes into that and you never see literally you know him getting chopped up or anything like that but you get the point yeah so it's it's yeah. very competently made um yeah the other thing that i thought was a, a the other kill in the movie that i thought was um not only creepy and it's just something that's always kind of like given me the, the creeps but is actually because it's a real life thing that happens that i don't know if people are aware of and that's the corn uh silo um uh, when he dumps the corn um on what's his name i'm not gonna remember oh yeah philby is that the 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 bigger guy or is that skeeter (laughs) i don't remember the two other guys i remember hazel rig and and harless hawker definitely know the other two i'm not sure um i think it's skeeter norris played by robert lyons but um anyway so long story short like that that's like a really a thing like if you fall into a corn silo that's that's like a curtains right that's yeah. a dangerous like i'm not sure people that are you know not from rural areas are aware of that but the it's like you know people are afraid of quicksand that's exactly what you know corn in that kind of a situation is like and um yeah so so being him getting corn dumped onto him kind of seems like on the surface like might be kind of a silly way to die but that's a very real thing if that if mm-hmm. you were to get trapped inside of that you you're a goner right oh <laughs> so. yeah i mean growing up in a small town in the midwest you knew you had friends when you were kids that lived out on farms and you, you'd go over there and you'd run around playing around the farm and in the barns mm-hmm. and making up stories and shit but yeah the one place you never went to play was anywhere like near a silo i remember yeah. at, at the local county fair this is getting very midwestern <laughs> but um, they're yeah. actually being like little model demonstrations about 
farm safety for kids. And that was mm-hmm. one of them. Like, look how, how a marble can fall into this jar of corn. and Yeah, it just kind of sucks it down in. It just sucks it down in. And, yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, I we did it we, anyway, but... Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember when we were kids, I don't... I didn't know the people, but there was somebody from town that had kids that went to our school whose father died in a similar manner to mm-hmm. what was depicted in this movie. Well, he fell into a full... Um, silo or container of corn in some way but yeah so very very much aware that that was a you know a real thing that could happen to somebody so again that adds yeah. to the authenticity of this being a you know small farming community so yeah jb yeah. uh fiegelson or whatever his name is that wrote the script must have you know either been from or been very you know spent a, some time in rural america so you know, and when we looked at, at Kingdom of the Spiders, which is the other other film we've talked about relatively recently that, that took place in a similar kind of town, you know, you had Shatner being Shatner in it. So it was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a farming town with Shatner. This is more just pretty simple. I mean, it, it's, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's accessible. It's almost like a really, really well done community play. Yeah, you know, yeah, I could like see that. really well done. Yeah, I mean the acting in it is top notch, but it doesn't have what Kingdom of the Spiders had, as you mentioned, it doesn't have star power. Like, there's mm-hmm. no one. In, uh, this is a group of really solid character actors that certainly were in plenty of films and did plenty of things, but never were like you know a list stars. Um, so yeah, it doesn't have that like with William Shatner thing that uh, to hang its hat on. It it just goes on the strength of you know the performances and yeah no i agree it's 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 a bunch of very competent uh actors it's a very competent script and it's it's well made um which is not something i usually would expect from you know a cbs evening movie or sunday night movie or wherever it you know debuted initially it's um it certainly breaks expectations and i don't think i ever at the beginning of the show went into like what what my history with this movie was and it's this a first time viewing for me but i read an article a few years back and i don't remember if it was in um fangoria or if it was in something else anyway i read an article about what a great movie this was like somebody that's kind of a lost treasure type movie um and kind of had it like on the in the back of my mind like hey that's one i would like to see it sounds sounds interesting um and then you know thumbing through Tubi trying to pick something i saw it on there and threw it on the queue and just uh yeah so it ended up nice ended up on the show so yeah i, I hadn't great. seen this before either um i am glad that it ended up being at least you know mostly as good as i had read so <laughs> um, yeah and i had actually read nothing about it i you know you mentioned like eh, i want to pick this one for the week I went, okay you know and so mm-hmm. i didn't really know anything about it going into it but within the first 15 minutes i was very impressed with with the way that it was all all working out you know and you mentioned like we we don't do made for tv movies like this anymore uh you know on streaming services they do their own in-house films which is mm-hmm. kind of the equivalent of the made for tv movie now uh, well, i mean uh, networks like hallmark and lifetime are cer- certainly still doing a lot of their own <laughs> Yeah, that with really... the same quality that we would expect from a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the closest. <laughs> um, you know, some BBC stuff maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, but it we don't get the made-for-TV movie. There was a period there for a while where made-for-TV movies were part of the natural cycle and progression of a scandal. There yeah. was, I, I think there, I and I might just be imagining this wrong but i'm pretty sure there was like a, a a well-publicized bidding war over some maybe it was the the tanya harding nancy kerrigan oh yeah like breaking. true true crime tv made for tv movies you know yeah i think there yeah was a, yeah I there was one right. i think was there the... was even one about the about john wayne bobbitt i mean yeah, there, there certainly was and, going... and not the adult film but the made for tv movie one yeah, yeah. i mean there was it was all sorts of weird 
you know, I think that kind of stopped after OJ. Still exist, actually. Like I'm pretty sure, like like we just mentioned, Lifetime, Hallmark. I think they're still doing them. So, I'm pretty sure there were Casey Anthony movies. So, yeah, I so. think so. <laughs> and then, not that that was that recent. I'm aging myself. Yeah, but that was ten but years yeah, ago. Just, oh my god. Yeah. So by comparison, like. This is really, I think that's, again, and, and I don't want to be, I don't want to lead anybody to believe that this is only impressive when comparing to, like, you know, something terrible. Like, it's, it, it is actually a good movie. It functions, like, it, the, the acting is good. Um, the thing they do the best is getting the, just kind of giving you the creeps. Like, the the scarecrow thing is, is although you're rooting for him the whole time, because they really do such a good job of making these characters just vile human beings. And, um, but yeah, I think the Scarecrow character is just so, uh, creepy and the suspense scenes are so good. Um, it does kind of like prove the thing that, you know, um, Ryan should be here for this episode because it does kind of prove you don't need a whole lot of like blood and guts to make an effectively scary movie. Um, I, I, I know that. And I think, you know, each movie, movies certainly can be amusing, that are in the blood and guts realm, but you don't have to have that. Especially with a suspense or thriller film like this. I, I, it's certainly not necessary. Um, where do you think this one falls for you personally on like top, top three, uh, made for TV movies in your opinion? I mean, I'd have to think, I'd have to like really like dig down and remember like what's a made for TV movie that I really like. Um, this one's got to be up there because I, I mean, right now I'm all that's coming off the top of my head is Mr. Boogity. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the ones we've done on the show, and yeah, what else is a made-for-TV movie that I really like? And um, I could think of a okay. Well, we've talked about Stephen King miniseries as well, and those are technically, I think, all made-for-TV movies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So we, we did so Salem's Lot. So we did that was another yeah, one we did. Yeah, did Salem's Lot. We did the Tommyknockers, and um, those are there are and not necessarily those specific two, but there are certainly some of those Stephen King ones I like a lot. Uh, the Stand being one of them. Um, so I think this ranks right up with the best of that stuff. Um, I'll put it up there with uh, the Doctor Who TV movie. Kind oh, of. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, this might even be a little better than that. But I, I would, yeah, I would it. agree. This one's up there too for me too. Uh, it is. I, I think this is now a, a close running mate with uh, the Brian Dennehy made-for-TV movie to catch a killer. Ah, yeah. John Wayne Gacy, which was a true crime one. But yeah, you, you, I've heard you talk about that many times. I should see it, Brian. It just seems like perfect. <laughs> casting to give me the creeps but oh yeah i mean dennehy's great because he's he's just he's dennehy but yeah him playing real life <laughs> psychopath killer clown yeah that's not cool but yeah it's very very well made uh and it's got i think margot kidder's in it um so it's got a good cast as well but i was yeah overall i'm really glad that you brought this one up um i was i was I sat yeah. down to watch it, just going like, okay, this is this week's, and, you know, just open mind, and it was right away, never came close to falling asleep or anything like that. It was really, really yeah. good. Yeah, so. it, it hit me right away that, like, it, you know, knowing what it was, and that it was a made-for-TV movie, and um, I think I got within the first 15 minutes this, like, okay, well, this is above average for what it is. Like, it's it's good. Like, right away like larry drake's really great in it and um like from scene one charles during's mailman during's mailman is just just the most contemptible person probably one of my i don't know that that character really left an effect on me like i just i just kind of made made your skin crawl i hated him so much so well let's be honest have you, have you seen him in a movie where you didn't want to hit him no, no, he's just really, I mean, he's great at that. <laughs> he is. Chances are in real life he's a really nice guy because that's the way it always goes with those uh, kind of character actors. But, yeah, he is, yeah, absolutely. He plays that kind of character extremely well. So, uh, Yeah. Did you... Well, we should so, say sorry, should. He did pass away in, in 2012, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, did you have a specific favorite moment in this movie by chance? Um, yeah, the, the last shot, the last scene of this movie was, was just what I was just like, Oh fuck. Um, yeah, that was the creepiest moment. I don't want to spoil it. If you haven't watched this yet, I mean, we've been talking about it with mild spoilers. Haven't seen it and yeah go check it out we'll leave the ending unspoiled even though we tend to spoil almost everything here but um we'll post the tubi link long before this airs so you already should have watched it (laughs) that's right but if you're if you just if you're if you're a contrarian that's fine um but no you're just a little behind this week you know yeah it's okay (laughs) uh yeah i thought that was that was very effective it was a little bit kind of predictable like okay there's going to be some kind of a thing um yeah but it it worked it it worked yeah. um honestly yeah, i wrote too, that down too like that that was that was it i have an honorable mention though and that is uh when um hazel rig um kills the he actually kills one of the other murderers because he's you know uh, mm-hmm. he's kind of driven insane with paranoia at this point because you know he this scarecrow's coming after them and uh he, I guess it would have been Philby, played by Claude Earl Jones in the movie. Um, he kills him by, he makes, the, they dig up the grave, they dig up Bubba's grave. And uh, upon seeing that his body is, in fact, in the grave, um, they, uh, he starts to, to have the dude fill it back in and then ends up hitting him with a shovel and killing him. Um again we're spoiling a lot of stuff but i won't spoil the very end for you but my favorite bit of that i'm getting long long story short is when when uh hazel Riggs smacks the dude with the shovel he brings the shovel back up in tv movie so we're not showing like the head hit of the shovel but he rips the shovel back up and the dude's hat is stuck to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, and then he just kind of shakes the hat off and like swings it again and I just thought that was funny that the hat. There, there's, there's a couple of little things like that in this. Um, I mean, and and really, some of the storytelling. I'm like, it's good. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to give people a false impression that this is like you know Academy Award. You oh, know, very brilliant. Right. It's right. very, very simple. You know, to even at the beginning, you know, you you mentioned the dog attack, mm-hmm. and right away they think the girl's dead. Because they show her and she looks pretty damn dead. And then it's, what is it like? So it's maybe an hour later and they get the call and they're like, It's "Ah." right after they've killed him. Yeah, the moment after they come, like, oh yeah, little girl's fine. They'd already released her from the hospital. I'm like, seriously? (laughs) You know, it just, it seemed a little, that was a little forced. Um, Like uh, the suspension of disbelief on that one was a little bit, I don't even call it suspension of disbelief. It's just like, the, the studs in the wall were showing, you know, yeah. like, okay, plot device thing. Fine. I'm fine with it. I was still on board. I was still like, oh, it, it, it is very soap opery. Yeah. You know, that's the thing about, I actually, about soap you know, operas. I, I wasn't sure that their little girl was going to be okay. I mean, I knew that the dog did it and not Bubba. But, right. You know, I, I was expecting, I thought, you know, there was going to be this disaster. And then so everybody would believe these guys. But like I originally know. had written in my notes or typed into my phone. I was taking notes like, damn, they killed the kid. Yeah. Fuck this movie. This movie pulled out all the stops. They weren't fucking around. And then I'm like, I had to delete that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's alive. She's fine. Yeah. She's got more plot to do, which is and, and actually, yeah, she is more involved in the story after that, which is very interesting. And mm-hmm. so it, it does take some twists there, but yeah, I, I thought. Well, and you wouldn't get that ending that we both that we exactly both wouldn't get that ending. Her, so. But I I did think that, and again, this isn't a criticism. It was just kind of like you know you mentioned the hat thing, which is it's almost like beautifully corny. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's corny, but I'm totally on board with it because I'm I'm really settled into this. That was well, that was like a thing the too. murders. I think in general are all a little bit corny, and uh, no pun intended in the one in the corn crib. Ah. But um, the, uh, but yeah, when he, the guy gets thrown into like the the chipper machine, whatever it is, um, I mean, we get a good old fashioned like zoom in on the face of him screaming and wincing, and then we see the you know grinding gears and and that's it because it'd be broadcast TV, right? They're not going to show you any more than 
Um, so, so yeah, there certainly is those moments of, of corniness, but yeah, I, I think the, the moments of, I don't know, just the, the premise of this scarecrow thing being, you know, ominously lurking, um, be, you know, being creepy is, is, is just as effective yeah. even with the corny. <laughs> right. Right. So, so. well, what do so, you yeah. think if you, if you were going to grade this one, which you have to. Yes. What do, you, what do you think? Um, you know, I liked it. Like we we kind of keep repeating the same thing, but yeah, it's got lots of a- atmosphere. Um, the premise is is genuinely kind of creepy. Um, I like the old school vibe. Um, like we said, kind of like old school EC Comics. Um, you know, primetime thriller show kind of vibe that it has to it. Acting's great. I do feel like it gets a little long, like because you know, broadcast TV movies got to fill your two hours. Um, and it could maybe get punched up and, you know, and edited a little bit bit more, but in general, that's just a nitpick. I, I, I think it, I liked it. I did mention, I think it could use a little more Scarecrow as well. Um, would kind of probably make the ending a little less, uh, effective maybe if you saw a whole lot of Scarecrow earlier in the film, but, um, yeah, but I think it's I think it's a B movie. It's it's solid, not just a like not B as in you know the uh, you know quality of it, but B as in that's the grade I want to give it. I think it's a B. It's good. B. I I really um, again compared to other other made for TV movies, uh, this one held my attention more than they usually do. It it had all of the. It, I like how you put it. It was almost a throwback to some of the old classic monster movies. I would even go so far as to say some of the old Vincent Price movies, where you've got, mm-hmm. um, you know, a revenge story. There's supernatural elements. It's a very simple, time-honored, repeatable kind of derivative story. But there's a reason why that is because it works, and they're able to do it even in 1981, which that's when you know gore is getting stepped up big time. And yeah. this takes a big step back, and it makes a, a very effective movie. I mean, people go on about how great Psycho is, and it is. It's a classic. <laughs> yeah. And there's, like, one scene with blood. And even, you know, and again, it's black and white. But there's one scene with blood, and that was controversial when that came out for how scary it was. This is just equally a creepy movie with without a drop, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, there's definitely not much in the way of blood and guts in this thing so. no so it's it's i i kept just being shocked that wow this this is really good not just for a made for tv movie but that does definitely add to it so with with all of that um honestly i i give this one like an a minus and that's just because you know there there are some quality issues here it overall is very well made but you, you do realize every few minutes you're watching a made for tv movie with the, the pacing it's forgivable because it's so good but I would give commercial it, I, break fade outs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the score is a little bit hokey and all that, but and it doesn't age quite as well. But for a movie that's pushing 40 years old, a made for TV movie pushing 40 years old, I really got to get this with some credit. So yeah, I'm going to go with an A minus on that one. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that it worked out to be good. Cause I, I'm sometimes a little hesitant to like, you know, offer something up. Well, since we've been doing Tubi, I'm a little, little better about doing it but like offer something up as a pick that i've not seen but Mm um yeah no this one um i had there was enough enough i had read about it that it was very good that i was fairly confident it was going to be a good one but and we'd like to know if any of our listeners watched along with and uh have tuned in we would love to hear your thoughts on dark knight of the scarecrow 1981 and you can leave us those comments on uh, you can email us at videojunkairpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at our Video Junkier Podcast main page or the Video Junkier Podcast group page. And you can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod. Uh, please feel free to share any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms with us. We'd love to hear from you. And if you leave us a comment, we'll be happy to read it on the show. And uh, coming up on the podcast is we are... <laughs> I mean... Some of us are still in quarantine, and uh, yeah, <laughs> we are. We will still, for the remainder of that time, be picking our movies from Tubi TV. So we will make the announcement um, the Monday prior to uh, 
the show date of what we will be watching to give you a chance to check it out and watch along with us so we will keep picking those from Tubi. Uh, if you have anything, if you've been watching along or if you've been checking out Tubi TV, uh, give us a shout of what you think we should check out. We'd love to check out some audience uh, picks as well. Um, we're going to keep doing that for the time being. Um, yeah, we'll uh, get back to our regular scheduled uh, schedule <laughs> someday. But we'll, uh, for now, we're having fun with Tubi TV. Yeah, it, it, honestly, I, I've actually been enjoying this too. And I, I think it's kind of fun to, you know, let any of you listeners kind of, you know, give you a heads up on what we're going to be watching. And then you can, you can join us for the review. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of find some hybrid way of doing this sometime in the near future. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in and uh, once again listening to the Video Junkyard podcast. And we, we hope uh, you'll continue to do so. Hope you're staying safe out there. And uh, want to thank you once again. Until next time, this is the Video Junkyard podcast. And I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafry. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels.